When I was a kid, I uh, did not like carrots. I like carrots now, but as a kid, I did not like carrots. And my mom would insist that I eat the carrots. And so uh, we would sit down to dinner, and I would eat the carrots first because I wanted to get it over with, and I wanted to move on to the things that I actually wanted to eat, like mashed potatoes and gravy. Like, let's bring on the mashed potatoes and gravy, forget the carrots. And so I would eat those right away. And my mom would look and go, Travis, you don't have any carrots. You need to eat some carrots. I, I, di I, did, I did eat the carrots. I mean, my, my, my young brain was terrified because I had already suffered through carrots once. And my mom did not believe that I had eaten any carrots, and I was going to have to suffer through carrots twice. And so in that moment, I went, brother, sister, father, did anyone see me eating carrots? <laughs> because in that moment, I was looking for an advocate. I found myself in a place of trouble, and I was looking for an advocate. And when we find ourselves in places of trouble, we are often looking for an advocate. Who is going to stand with me? Who recognizes the peril that I'm in, and who is going to stand with me? Because sometimes there are worse fates than carrots. And so I want to look this morning at Psalm 94, and we're going to look at this together, and we are going to look and see who can we turn to, who can we find as an advocate when we need one. So if you'll turn to Psalm 94, we're going to start in verse 1. O Lord, God of vengeance, O God of vengeance, shine forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Repay to the proud what they deserve. O Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked exult? They pour out their arrogant words, all the evildoers boast. He cries out, O Lord, Yahweh, O covenant God, O God of His people, this is not some impersonal cry. I hope that some deity somewhere might hear me and respond. This is a personal cry to the Lord God of heaven, the one who has made a covenant with his people and said, I will be your God and you will be my people. It is to him that the psalmist cries out. The psalmist cries out and says, O Lord, O God, a vengeance? O God of vengeance. That's a name for God I don't often use. That's an attribute of God that we tend to go, you know, we're going to, maybe we'll acknowledge it in a theology class that it exists. He is the God of vengeance, but we're going to kind of hide it over here. We don't want to anybody to know that we believe that God is a God of vengeance. God is a God of love. God is a God of compassion. These things we want to trumpet and let everyone know, our God is love. Because everyone wants to hear that God is love. 
And so we trumpet that loudly. And then when it comes to a passage like this, where the psalmist begins, Oh Lord, oh God of vengeance, we go, Not so loud or they might hear you. We don't want people to know about the God of vengeance. And I think the reason that we don't want people to know that we serve a God of vengeance is because we misunderstand it. We misunderstand what that means and we are afraid that they will misunderstand it too. O Lord, O God of vengeance, O God of vengeance, shine forth, he repeats. And when I think of vengeance, I think of like somebody did something to me. Like, you know, when you're a kid and you have a sibling or a friend and most of the time you get along, but then they kind of poke you and push you. And so you kind of poke and push them back and then they sort of hit you just a little bit harder and then you get really angry and so you shove them and so then they come back and this has probably never happened to you. It only happened to me, right? But when I think of vengeance, that's what I think of is that when somebody does something to me, then I am going to get my revenge and I am going to do it back and harder. And so we don't want to say, oh, hey, I serve a God who you did something to him and wow, you better watch out because he'll do it back and harder. But listen to how he goes on. This is, he's crying out, he says, God of vengeance, God of vengeance, shine forth. Make yourself seen and known. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Repay to the proud what they deserve. Because the reality is that there are those who are doing things that do deserve punishment. We see that too. We see that too. If you're on Twitter or Facebook or watch the news or anything, you will hear people go, they deserve punishment fill-in-the-blank punishment. They deserve this. You go, wow, that seems rather really extreme. Yes, but did you know they did this and this and this and this, and so they deserve that. We want justice. We want punishment for people who do things wrong. And what the psalmist is acknowledging is that there is one who is qualified to judge impartially. There is one who is able to judge Everyone, equitably, fairly, justly, the way that they should be judged and bring about the kind of justice that we want to see. Isn't that amazing that on the one hand, people demand and want justice. They're crying out for justice. And at the same time, they don't want a God of vengeance? No, no, no. Not God, though. Me. I will determine the justice. I will determine what is right and wrong. I will say what the punishment should be. I don't want a God of vengeance to do those things. I don't want a God of vengeance to be the one who determines what is right and what is wrong. God should just be loving and tolerant and accepting of everyone. And the psalmist is going, no, no, no. Because I see what the wicked are doing and they really deserve judgment. They need someone to take them to task. Those proud people need someone to humble them. Take them down a peg or two or three. 
And the only one who is able to do that is the God of heaven and earth. He's the only one who can do it in the way that it needs to be done. And so when this psalmist is looking out at the world and seeing what's going on, he says, O Lord, God of vengeance, God of vengeance, make yourself known, shine forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth, and repay the proud what they deserve. O Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked exult? They pour out their arrogant words, all the evildoers boast. They crush your people, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. They're bragging about what they're doing. They're bragging about it. They're boasting in it. In their wickedness, they're bragging. Do you know what I did? Do you know what I got away with? Yeah, I did this too. Really put the screws to them. I was able to take advantage of some people, and wow, look at how far ahead I came out. They brag, they boast. They boast in their evil doing and wickedness, and he says, this is not right. So how long do we have to wait, O Lord, before you're going to deal with it? How long do we have to wait until you humble them and show them what is right and fair and just? Do you know, O Lord, that they are crushing your people? O Lord, our covenant God, the one who has said, I will be your God and you will be my people, I am reminding you that your people, your people, you have said, you will be our God and we will be your people and your people are the ones who are being crushed. When I'm out at a playground and I see kids treating one another unfairly, I, I react. And I try and stop. Hey, 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 let's, let's knock that off. Don't, stop. Let's not treat each other that way. And that's when it's any kid. But when it's my kid that is being treated unfairly, man, I'm out of my chair so fast, you better watch out. Because I don't know who you are, but you can't treat my kid that way. He's going, Lord, these are your people. This is your heritage. Your heritage is being afflicted. I want you to rise up like a parent. I want you to show yourself and make yourself known. Don't be hiding. The kids are playing on the playground and like picking on each other because they don't see any parents around. Come out from behind that tree. Why are you sitting behind the tree? Come out so that everybody can see you. Come out so that everybody knows that you are here so that when they do something, they'll go, oh, oh, oh hang on. His dad's over there. His dad's over there. Shh. Leave him alone. His dad's over there. Oh, God of vengeance, shine forth. Make yourself known. Come out from behind the tree so that everyone can see you and that they'll stop and go, wait, 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 wait. The Lord's over there. The Lord's over there. He says, they crush your people, O Lord, and afflict your heritage. They kill the widow 
and the sojourner and murder the fatherless. Can you think of more helpless people than this? People than this? He says, not just your people, Lord, but also those who cannot, uh, cannot vouch for themselves. They can't take care of themselves. They can't defend themselves. How evil and awful are these people? They're killing the widow and the sojourner. They're taking advantage of the elderly. They're killing them off. The foreigners, those who are not from around here, killing them too. And they murder the fatherless. Those that don't have a dad sitting by on the playground watching Don't have somebody to come out and say, hang on, knock it off, let's not treat each other this way. To come out and say, whoa, 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 back off, leave my kid alone. They don't have that kind of an advocate. They, this is the fatherless. And when we hear about this kind of thing, when we hear about people who are taking advantage of the, the widow or the elderly or the immigrants and the foreigners and those who are fatherless, we go, Come on now. It makes me want to do something. It makes me want to make heads roll. And then I remember that I'm not very good at rolling heads. It's not, it's not the, a skill that I'm really adept at. And I recall, as the psalmist, that it is the Lord's role to do that. And so it is my role to pray, oh God, would you do something? Would you do something? Would you punish the wicked for the evil that they are doing? And then I can step into the gap and go, okay, you who have been abused, you who have been taken advantage of, let me help here. Let me advocate for you and let me come alongside you and let me embrace you and help you in whatever way that we can. And so we see throughout Scripture that these are the people in particular that God is sending us to. These are the people that we ought to be ministering to, and while we ought to be ministering to them, somebody else is taking advantage of them, and so he's crying out for justice for them. And we also want to cry out for justice for them, but we also want to do something to help, right? And here's what I'm afraid of, is that we see these injustices, and we are far too quick to just say, that's not okay, we want to be able to enact some kind of policy or vote for something or do something so that there will be justice for those who are needy.
And I think that we ought to instead take a posture and go, how can I help? How can I stand with and for those who are in need? I can think of a couple of really practical ways that it made me a a little bit proud as as a a pastor that we have um, in the past had a ministry for uh, foster parents night out so that we can help support um, those who are foster families and foster children. We, we want to support and help in that way, that we have tried to help with pregnancy resource centers so that people are not killing the fatherless. I'd love to see us do more. How can we do more? I don't know. But here I do know that when it comes right down to it, our hope is not that we or someone else or the government or anything will be able to bring about justice, but that we might cry out and say, oh Lord, do you see what is happening to your people and to the helpless? How long must we wait, Lord, for you to bring about your justice, your vengeance, your retribution on those who are arrogantly doing wicked because they are taking advantage of and killing the poor and the helpless? In fact, it says in verse 7, And they say, The Lord does not see. The God of Jacob does not perceive. Lord, they're talking about you. O covenant God, the one who made his covenant with Jacob, with Israel, they're talking about you. They're saying, oh, he doesn't see what's going on. He doesn't know what's going on. We can do this and no one knows and no one cares. We're going to get away with it. There's nobody watching. There's nobody paying attention. Lord, they think you don't see what's going on. Can you bring some justice already so that people will know that you know what's going on? Have you ever done something that you wished people didn't know about? You did something and then you were like, oh, I hope nobody ever finds out about that. I hope nobody saw that. I hope nobody finds out. And if anybody saw it, don't tell anybody, okay? Just don't tell anybody. I don't want anybody to know. I think we've all found ourselves in that place where you have done something that you regret and go, I don't want anybody to know about this. I don't want anybody to see. What we have here is the proud and arrogant boasting in what they are doing They have no regret. They have no shame associated with this. They are loudly boasting, no one's going to stop me. No God in heaven is going to come and do anything to me. God either doesn't see or doesn't care or doesn't exist. And so the psalmist turns his attention from crying out to the Lord to those particular people with that particular attitude and says in verse 8, Understand, O list of the people, 
fools, when will you be wise? That, that's just like harsh right there, isn't it? Understand, you dullest of the people, of all the knives in the drawer, you could cut nothing. You are the dullest of all the people. You are such a fool. You're such an idiot. If you are standing there saying, I'm getting away with this and there is no God in heaven who sees what I am doing, Understand, O dullest of the people, fools, when will you be wise? He who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? He who disciplines the nations, does he not rebuke? He who teaches man knowledge, the Lord knows the thoughts of man, that they are but a breath. I love this. I love this because it says, do you not recognize that the God who created the world, who created you, who fashioned your ears so that you might hear all of the sounds that are around you, do you think that he doesn't hear? Do you think that the one who made the ear so that you could hear all of the beautiful things around you does not hear the way that you are talking, you braggart? Do you think that the God who created the eyes and formed them so that you would be able to see his beautiful creation and appreciate it does not see the way that you are defiling his creation? Really? Do you really think he is that uh, unperceptive? That he doesn't notice? That he doesn't know? That he doesn't care? Do you think the God who disciplines the nations, who brings the nations to account for the things that they have done, who causes them to rise and fall as he sees fit, do you think that that God does not rebuke, does not chastise, does not address your wickedness, your evil, your sinfulness? Do you think that God does not care, is dispassionate about your wickedness and evil? No, no, he will rebuke. Do you think that the one who teaches knowledge, who gave knowledge to mankind and has all wisdom, the Lord himself, the one who knows the thoughts of man, and that they are to him but a breath? In the Lord's eyes, in the lifetime, the lifespan from eternity to eternity of the Lord, our lifespan is like a breath. <gasps> Over. The God of infinite wisdom knows the minds of man and their feebleness and their wickedness. And he sees and he knows and will bring them to account. God is not ignorant.
which if you are like me then and you recognize, okay, there are those who are wicked and evil who are boasting in their evil that need to be brought to account and humbled, but also there are those things in my past, some more recent and some further back, that I also don't want God to see or notice. God, I, I don't look over here, okay? Do you ever walk in that way, act in that way, as though um, God, like the people at church, only see you in your best dressed and the best things that you do? They see you serving at foster parents' night out and with a smile on your face and all kinds of great patience, and they see you dressed up on Sunday mornings singing with gusto the praises of God, and that's all that they see because that's all that you'll show? While over here, you're hiding the things that you wish no one would know about and no one would see. And so you think, maybe God, like the people at church, only see me when I'm praying and I'm at church. Oh, dullest of people. How can we be so silly? To think or even wish that that might be the case, of course God sees and of course, God knows. He is not ignorant, but he can be merciful. Verse 12, blessed is the man whom you discipline, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law to give him rest from days of trouble until a pit is dug for the wicked. This morning, we are going to be having communion together, uh, and often we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and what we don't look at in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 most of the time we go there is what happens just beyond the communion piece. Because in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, Paul is actually addressing the church and is telling them, when you are eating bread and drinking together, you are not doing it right. And so the part that we focus on, <clears throat> excuse me, the part that we focus on uh, when we take communion is how you do it right. But in context, he is addressing this and explaining how you do it correctly because they are doing it incorrectly. And this is what he says in verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 11. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. For when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Let me summarize this. For you. When we have those things that are secret and hidden and shameful that we wish were not there and we ignore them or pretend that they are not there and do not confess them, that is a problem. That is a problem because it puts us under the judgment of God and the God of vengeance is not one whose judgment you want to be under. 
But when we instead say, God, I know you already see these things. I know you already hear these things. And so I am going to open them up and confess them to you. Because I am judging myself and I am judging myself accurately and I see the sin that is here in my life and so I am saying, God, I acknowledge with you that this is sin in my life that I am ashamed of. And I am confessing it to you and bringing it out into the open so that you might deal with it. Then what happens is the judgment of God on us those of us who are willing to confess our sin to him becomes disciplined to correct us and put us into the path of righteousness so that we will not be condemned in the day of judgment along with the wicked. You, you see, when we say, oh God of vengeance, do you see what's happening? Would you come and judge the world? That is really bad news for the wicked. But it is good news for those of us who recognize our wickedness and confess it to God and say, God, we are your people, so treat us with compassion. Blessed is the man whom you discipline, O Lord. This is verse 12 of Psalm 94 again. And whom you teach out of your law to give him rest from days of trouble until a pit is dug for the wicked. For the Lord will not forsake his people. He will not abandon his heritage. For justice will return to the righteous, and all the upright in heart will follow it. Who then, verse 16, who rises up for me against the wicked? Who stands up for me against evildoers? When there are wicked people and when I need that advocate, who is it that stands up for me? Verse 17, if the Lord had not been my help, my soul would soon have lived in the land of silence. It has to be the Lord. It has to be the Lord. Who will stand for me? Who will stand for me when the wicked are against me? It has to be the Lord. In fact, in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about how Jesus has come to be the high priest. And it says uh, in chapter 10, verse 10, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God and is waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified." Down in verse 19, it says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, 
And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Jesus, the Son of God, said, I will stand for you. So when we cry out and say, who will stand with me? Who will stand as my advocate? Jesus says, I will do that. I see your sin and I have no sin. And I will stand with you. And I will give my life for yours so that you can stand in my righteousness. I stand as your advocate. So that down further in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, uh, verse 29, how much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, vengeance is mine and I will will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Jesus is going to be both the Savior and the judge. And so for those who are wicked, we have the option that we can either open up and confess and acknowledge those sins to him and say, Jesus, would you take my sin and give me your righteousness? Or we can hide those things and pretend that God does not see and then Jesus, the God of justice, will judge us as we deserve to be judged. Which is why in Psalm 94, in verse 17 it says, If the Lord had not been my help, my soul would soon have lived in the land of silence. I would have been brought to death had not the Lord been there for me, had not the Lord himself been my help. When I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, held me up. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. There were those times, Lord, when I felt like I was in peril. My, I was like climbing that rock and my foot slipped and I thought, this is it, I'm going to die and what you didn't realize is that whole time, have you ever been rock climbing, like you're climbing at a, a climbing gym or a, at, out someplace, and uh, somebody has the rope connected to you? And so all this time, we thought we were free climbing, and my foot slipped, and I went, oh no, I'm about to die, and God goes, I'm, I'm holding the rope, man. You feel like you're climbing, but I'm pulling you up. There's no, there's no chance that you're going to fall. I've got hold of you. You are safe here. There is no peril for you. When I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, held me up. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. So can wicked rulers be allied with you, those who frame injustice by statute? They band together against the life of the righteous and condemn the innocent to death, But the Lord has become my stronghold, and my God the rock of my refuge. He will bring back on them their iniquity and wipe them out for their wickedness. The Lord our God will wipe them out. And I look at this, and I see the way that this psalm started, 
O Lord, God of vengeance, O God of vengeance, shine forth. Rise up, judge of the earth, and repay the proud what they deserve. And I look at the way this ends. He will be bring back on them their iniquity and wipe them out for their wickedness. The Lord our God will wipe them out. And I think, oh, that's not going to be popular. That's not going to be popular. That doesn't preach so well in a land of love and tolerance. But when you see in the middle the proud and arrogant and the way that they are taking advantage of those who are weak and helpless, then praise God that we have a God of vengeance, a God of justice, who in the end, on that day of judgment, will make all things right. May that day come quickly. May he put an end to all of the wickedness and injustice that we see around the world. We know that one day it will come to pass. And so we pray that it would be soon. And for now, we find ourselves here, both anticipating God's justice to come and also thankful for His mercy and compassion on us.